Libraries are very funny places. They're strange and troubled lands. Old librarians make very funny faces when you knock over book stands. Every building has a hundred thousand stories that have ne'er before been shared. And won't you be surprised at what is truth and what is lies when Librarians Anonymous is aired? And won't you be surprised at what is truth and what is lies when Librarians Anonymous is aired? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us for a very special meeting of Librarians Anonymous. You can call me Jeeves. And you can call me Wooster your guides and sponsors through the wacky behind the scenes worlds of libraries. At time of recording, it is one day after Valentine's Day, so we wanted to do an episode about love, romance, and heartbreak in all its forms in the library. But first, a very special shout out to our partners who support and encourage Mr. Wooster and I probably a good deal more than we both deserve. Indeed, happy Valentine's Day to our incredible spouses. This episode is dedicated to you. We hope you enjoy it. Now, on the theme of romance in the library, we have our first guest to the show today. We'll let them introduce themselves in a minute, but first, Jeeves, I have a question for you. Would you consider yourself to be a romantic person? My wife always says I'm the romantic one in our relationship. For some context, she has been known to call Valentine's Day a Hallmark-ass holiday. But generally, I'm the one more likely to buy a sappy card or leave a cutesy note. What about you? I, I'd say we're both, in, in our own special ways, hopeless romantics. I would say... As far as Valentine's Day goes, we're generally looking for things to celebrate because life is hard and it's not particularly our favorite holiday, but we like the festivities and we enjoy celebrating and spending time with each other. Well, enough about us. Let's move on to our first guest interview. So actually, do you want to start out by introducing your pseudonym and where it comes from for us? So I chose the pseudonym Rin. I am in love with a series by Martha Wells called Murderbot Diaries. And murder one of Murderbot's aliases is Rin. The other one is Ethan. And I really identified with the character. So I chose it. Very cool. Very cool. We will link to uh, the Goodreads page <laughs> for the Murderbot Diaries in our show notes. Well, thank you for that explanation as to your name, Rin. We thought we would start off by presenting you with the opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners, or as much as you'd care to do anyway. Just some basics about yourself and your time in the library field would be great. Can you give us a bit of background about yourself? Sure. Uh, well, to start with, I go by the pronoun she, her. I immigrated to the United States, became a naturalized citizen in 2000, and libraries played a huge role in my upbringing. Going with my father uh, a lot, he put a, he put a huge trust on education, and the libraries was the one place that I went that I felt at home, and so I've grew up with that and decided to. Um, chase that as, as a field. So my, when I went to school, my original career path was to go into academic libraries. And then as things ever evolve in a career, I find myself currently in a public library as an adult services librarian. Oh, me as well. <laughs> <laughs> so 
what was your first library job like? And what were some of your expectations when you just got started? Uh, well, my first expectations when I got started was to dream or I was going to change the world, right? Through, through information, I was going to make, going to make the biggest difference. But my first job wasn't really until I got into library school and started to learn about the field and I got an internship at a public library. And so I thought, you know, these librarians were warriors. I still do <laughs> for many reasons, but I was really surprised at how mundane <laughs> some of the questions were. And I think the most obvious one was, the help with printing. <laughs> I think we've all been there. <laughs> right? So I thought, and I think that is why I wanted to go into the academic side because of, of the questions. Just I have a more curious nature and I want to dig deep. I want to answer those, you know, pressing level questions. up, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was one of the first things that you encountered in library world that shocked you? Oh, the pay. <laughs> <laughs> for the uh, listeners outside the field, you may not realize, but that is a very fun joke for us in working the field. Yeah, I mean. The mad stacks that you make as a librarian. <laughs> That's right. You know, we go into it to become millionaires. <laughs> no, I thought that the pay scale would be a little better than the reality. Unfortunately, in some library districts, Costco employees get paid more than, than librarians. So that was the biggest, biggest shock for the amount of schooling and training and education that, that we get. So the reason that we had you on today is because you have a pretty unique life event that revolved around libraries, and we thought our listeners would like to hear about it. Uh, and that is... I got married in a library. Yay! Oh, <laughs> so cool. When you were a kid, were you the type of kid to imagine your dream wedding all the time? Honestly, no. No. I, 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 mean, will, I will tell you what I imagined. <laughs> it wasn't actually the wedding part because I figured that, you know, depending on where I'm at in my life, um, it would probably be a reflection of that. What I did fantasize about was the who <laughs> I was going to marry, the type of person, right? So when I was younger, I struggled with. Um, telling time on an analog clock, right? And it's like, I'm going to have a husband that can tell time on an analog <laughs> clock because I don't know how to do that. <laughs> but then, then I discovered digital clocks and, you know. Um, I like so your priorities, my, though. <laughs> spouses should be useful. So, so I, I, I have to ask, I have to ask you, Ren. Did you marry someone who can tell time on an analog clock? Yes. Okay. Just making sure. You, you, met, you met your prince. I did. But my ideal man is um, kind of evolved around where I was weak at that. So if I'm not good at, really good at that. Um, on to 
you know, the type of person that he was or is. I definitely thought about where I wanted to have my wedding as a kid. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it's one of those things that, you know, if you can pull something into your life events to both signify it and tie it to yourself for a long time, it's, it's almost like a power that you have. And you can do that with people too. Like, you know, if you, if you want to tell somebody that they're special and, and, and make them a part of your future and your, your memories, then you bring them into that moment, whether it's a wedding or whether it's a, just a significant event in your life, it's, it's a really cool way to, to signify and um, almost build a, a, an emotional monument to that place. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is why I wanted to get married at the place that sold ice cream down the street from me <laughs> and then that changed over the years but uh, that was the first you know we just I, have ice cream. get married at the ice cream place <laughs> yeah i don't even remember what the name was i don't think i knew then i just it was the ice cream place <laughs> what you about know, you I, mr wooster i honestly have no memory of thinking about you know dreaming about weddings or i probably assumed i wasn't going to get married <laughs> <laughs> just, I also, and, and my wife could very much back this up. I've always had what I've called my five-year plan, which is like when I turned 20, it's like, yeah, I'll be dead in five years. And five <laughs> years came along like, okay, I'll be dead at 30. And then 30 comes along. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just my, you know, pessimistic <laughs> fatalist self that it's the five-year just resets every time I hit, you know, a five-year period. <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure it comes from, you know, being the, the product of a child of divorce and, you know, some contentious <laughs> natures with, you know, family back in the day. So what's your Which, next five-year plan? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe doctorate. Who knows? <laughs> That's the time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Do it before they cancel student debt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so getting back to getting back to your story, Rin, uh, what when did the thought first come into your head that you should have your wedding at a library? Oh, so my my husband and I have similar religious background and subscribe to those beliefs. I, I think that for us there is a larger belief that we both like truly believe in and the library signifies that. And it is the pursuit of knowledge and finding your own truth, you know? So, uh, and that's what we wanted our life to be instead of, you know, our, our backgrounds are, are where we come from and we grow as people and the library is a perfect place to signify that. And I think as soon as we, thought that it might even be a possibility that it just made sense and we definitely wanted to follow through on that to kind of signify where we wanted to go that's beautiful i like that and when a library collection is done well and when a library atmosphere is done well everyone does find themselves represented in the in the institution in some way they can find their meaning either in the materials that it serves or the time that they've spent there or just the, the promise that that place can give to them in their lives and their growth yeah. i love that 
Yeah, you know, there are two sides to every story, and then there's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, everyone has their own own truth, own experience, own perspective. And the library is a beautiful place that exemplifies that. Sounds like uh, you two kind of came to this decision together. It wasn't, you didn't have to talk your partner into this. Oh, no, he jumped on board. He thought it was... That was a great idea. <laughs> what about uh, what about your extended family and, and guests? How did they react to hearing that uh, they were going to get to attend a wedding at a library? I think my parents thought it was really cool. It wasn't huge and elaborate, but that's not who I am. That's not who we are. <laughs> but I think it did a very good, it was a very well good representation of, of what we wanted and who we were. I think I'll take a moment here to admit that, you know, I was uh, working with you at this time and was one of the people who helped move all the furniture around and get everything set up to make this possible. Uh, I was just wondering what some of the responses from, you know, the attendees were like for... Uh... Oh. <laughs> My mom, who is hard to please sometimes, <laughs> I need to fight her over over the color of my wedding shoes. <laughs> um, but I brought her over to my side. So she thought that it was very tasteful and she loved it. You know, we didn't, well, I told, I told you, Wooster, and, and the other people that were helping set up, just do what you, what you like, surprise me. Um, because honestly, it was, I don't like to micromanage. And I think the best surprises are spontaneous. And these coworkers that I have worked with knew me, know me really well. Um, so I knew that they would do a fantastic job. And they did. And I loved it. I loved coming in and just going, wow. <laughs> Could you describe it a little bit for us, what it looked like? Sure. Uh, so I, uh, one of the sections, so we got married on the second floor uh, of the library um, in one of the sections where it was, it's typically designated as the quiet zone. There are huge windows that overlook the campus. Um, you know, the sun, that's where the sun sets. So you definitely have the sun streaming in through the windows. Um, so all the large study tables were moved off to the side and we had, what was it, about 60 chairs. Think something like that. So 30 on each side. And the makeshift altar was for stacks of books on either side with ferns, <laughs> with a fern plant. Um, sitting on top of each side with a, a sheer white kind of curtain to kind of block off the stacks from the back, although we were in the stacks. <laughs> Did you choose a specific area in the stacks or was it based on where best the ceremony would work in the library? Uh, best of where it worked and for the atmosphere. Okay. And the so I, I, at our library, when I was working security, I witnessed both a wedding and a proposal. 
and um the wedding was in our story time room because it was uh dedicated to the bride's grandmother who had passed on and she had donated uh money and supported the library and was just a big fixture in our community and she was really close to her granddaughter they had a wonderful relationship and unfortunately she passed on before she could get married so they had the wedding on off hours the board you know passed a vote to give it special dispensation to use the area um because of the connection but the proposal was done in a specific area of the stacks because the two who had met and i found i had been alerted because i was work i was head of security at the time i'd been alerted by the groom-to-be's mother that he was planning on proposing and could you like make sure that you know it's is this okay can you keep people away from them for five minutes and i said okay but because they had bonded over uh, graphic novels, sci-fi, and fantasy, and they had, you know, they, so that's where he proposed was in the graphic novels stacks, uh, which I now buy for. So it's it's, it's <laughs> it was it was extra cute though, and I definitely recorded the security footage for him. And <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. That's awesome. That's full circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> weird question not not a weird question maybe a tough question but is there anything you would do differently if you had the chance looking back absolutely nothing i it was i i couldn't have even imagined a day that was special than than what my than what my coworkers put put on for me and i'm ever grateful for that because for us it was the perfect day and because there, there wasn't I guess the expectations were to be surprised and it just blew me away everything so um my my fellow friend co-worker and archivist she made my wedding cake too and oh, so sweet and i kind of told her what we liked as far as flavors and taste and told her to run with it and it I, it was great. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> that's see again, that's another example of somebody who you brought into your your moment, your your to commemorate it. And now instead of just some random contract that you had with some baker or some, you know, bridal place to get a cake, you have that memory with them. So that's really cool. I like that. <laughs> I will say one thing that I remember about that day was during the middle of the ceremony, one of our regular patrons came in like to use the computer. We had signs up on the door to say library was closed and whatnot, but uh, you know, signs and how often they get read. And he came in and he was really, you know, really good about it. Whatnot, but the director's down there trying to like, no, no, no. And you're trying to be quiet. Like we have a private <laughs> ceremony going on right now. We're closed for the day. And like I said, he was real chill about it and fine. He was in there all the time. But it's just, you know, that's what happens in a public space like that. And it was... I think I think right now every single person who's listening to this episode is imagining which patron that would be walking into <laughs> walking into the middle of their wedding ceremony. I know well, I am. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, since it was on the second store, it was going on underneath. So it wasn't an immediate disruption, but it's just... <laughs> It was still that that's the nature of a library for it. <laughs> and, and that would have been perfect too. Yeah. <laughs> so 
this space is all inclusive. Come to the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've experienced this and told our listeners about it, would you suggest this idea to other people? If this is something that 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 is special to them, why not go for it? You know, the thing that I had learned um, is it doesn't hurt to ask. And if the answer is no, you are in no worse than you were when you came in. But surprises happen when you ask a question. Yeah, I, I would highly recommend having a non-traditional wedding in a place that's meaningful to you. Um, my partner and I got married in a forest preserve, A, because it was cheap, B, because it was local, C, because we just loved it there. And part of the beauty of that is that, you know, unlike a church or a courthouse, we often find ourselves there just on a weekend when it's nice out and just being able to walk there together and hold hands and, and visit a place that's, you know, that you can regularly go to is, is a beautiful thing, uh, you know. It's accessible, like you said. So so do you and your partner ever go back on anniversaries to the library and, and visit and go to the place where you got married? Well, we do. We go back and visit because my friends still work there. So haven't been able to because of COVID. Um, mm. but, we, but we most certainly do. And I, I believe I, as a thanks to all my coworkers for all the hard work, should have had a pizza party or some sort of food party <laughs> on my behalf. <laughs> I know we had leftover cupcakes, which were much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that you had a coworker make your cake. Uh, my partner and I made our own cake for our wedding because, again, we were broke. Uh, <laughs> so we decided to make our own cake, but we did cakes. So we wanted to get it right because we were baking it like the morning of our wedding. We wanted it to be nice and fresh and it was a spring wedding. So we had berries and stuff. And, but when I was making the practice cakes, we were both working at uh, the library at the time. And so I was bringing in the practice cakes and leaving them in the, the lounge. Cause there's a little too much for, for just us to eat. And I still get comments about like, remember when you guys were getting married and we got all those cakes, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> So my, I didn't have coworkers make our cake, but we had librarians taste test our cake, which was pretty fun. That's awesome. I, I was just remembering back now to uh, when I got married, uh, it was a pretty, pretty small, mostly just family affair. And, you know, kind of did it over a weekend, you know, and I remember going back to work after the honeymoon and whatnot and one of my coworkers like oh did you do anything fun on your vacation i'm like yeah i got married like haha that's funny i'm like no i, I got married like oh really you got married <laughs> yeah yeah it was just kind of like i said a pretty small intimate little family wedding um yeah, it's kind of interesting going back uh my wife and i were both pretty young when we got married but we had a a son together pretty young and uh we probably wouldn't do it the same way again because we it was one of those where we tried to keep all the families happy and did the nice traditional church wedding and neither of us are particularly religious and you know but it was just we'll appease the family we'll bring and it was lovely and you know we enjoyed it and love seeing everyone but i think if we had that opportunity to go back and do it again we'd definitely do something something different a lot more fun 
uh, we got married in the woods. My partner bought her wedding dress from store credit on ModCloth. I wore a recycled suit. She knit me a tie and socks. And we brought everybody home after the ceremony and ate deep dish pizza. <laughs> Sounds awesome. It was a good time. <laughs> and then we spent all our money on the honeymoon, uh, which was which was a good idea. We went to we went to Iceland where we visited public libraries. Nice. Nice. I thought I was frugal with with our <laughs> wedding. I think we spent a total of six thousand. That's pretty good and comparatively. Yes. Yeah. My dress and the suit. Yeah, we 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 bought pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what we could buy at the time. I think yeah. I think if we could, we could have bought we would have bought more, but that's what we had. So we we literally like rolled all of the meats for the meat tray for sandwiches ourselves, yeah. cut the cheese for ourselves, did as much of the prep as we could for our wedding because again we were young, didn't have a whole lot of money. <laughs> Just like we'll do as much of it as we can, but. That made it more enjoyable too. At the same time, yeah, I, I just I, I do hope that people getting married or or entering into civil partnerships or whatever, whatever you do, whatever people do in the future to make themselves to signify a moment, they feel the freedom to make it their own. This is the best stories and the happiest memories are when you're being true to yourself and celebrating your genuine genuine self. And I, it sounds like the moments that you and your partner had in the library were you two being true to yourself and really enjoying the moment and the significance of, of, of getting married in, in a, in a wonderful place. So thank you so much for sharing that story with us. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. That is all of our pre-prepared questions. Um, if you don't mind, um, could you talk a little bit more about, um, do you have a favorite library that you don't work at or have not worked at? that you want to talk about? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Jeeves is throwing curveballs at you. I'm throwing curveballs at you. Uh, I think my favorite library would be would be the Kresge Library on Wayne State University's campus. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time there studying <laughs> in both my undergraduate and graduate school and I made a lot of happy memories there it's kind of my coming of age library you know there I think that they're all special and they would they'd all have a depending on where I'm at in my point of life that's what they're going to signify like my hometown library is going to be where I grew up um my college library is going to be my coming of age. <laughs> you know, I, I think that for me, the libraries are, are always going to signify probably where I'm at in, in my growth as a person. So for me, they're all special. So look out. It might be your library. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Very cool. Uh, do you have any either funny or horror stories that are Valentine's Day themed in your library that you want to share 
whether it was when you're at the public library, which I think a lot of good stories come from, or academic library dealing with students, faculty. Does anything come to mind? Oh, actually, I do have one. It's probably my favorite reference question. <laughs> and this came from the academic library. And this is maybe on the flip side of love. Um, so I had a student that came um, that needed help finding a quote they were doing a research paper on divorce and so they needed a primary source set in ancient Rome that they could use. So I helped them find an excerpt that talks about, uh, about divorce and I just loved it because especially now as we're going through hard times we, we think that this is like a special situation that we're going through or our problems that we are having today are special and people didn't have these. People from long ago feel so far removed from our daily lives, essentially. Um, but this gives a really funny outlook that our problems are not unique. <laughs> so this comes from Plutarch's Parallel Lives, The Life of Emilius. No documentary grounds for divorce have come down to us, but there would seem to be some truth in a story told about divorce, which runs as follows. A Roman once divorced his wife, and when his friends admonished him, saying, is she not discreet? Is she not beautiful? Is she not fruitful? He held out his shoe, saying, is this not handsome? Is it not new? But not one of you can tell me where it pinches my foot. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> thank you again for coming on and sharing the story with us um and for being our first guest on the podcast we're very excited to have another voice in the group absolutely thank you so much for talking to us Ren. is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners before you go um keep listening to this podcast guys i, I think it's just going to get better <laughs> I don't know that's selling it pretty hard <laughs> I think the more people that we have uh, means the less that it's just uh, Wooster and I gabbing at each other having our fun it, it will get better Before moving on to some submitted stories, when you and Mrs. Steves were planning your wedding, did you ever consider having it in the library? Actually, yes, we did. Uh, we had one of our very first dates at the Bartholomew County Public Library in Columbus, Indiana, which is a beautiful building. It was actually designed by IM Pay. And uh, after we got engaged, we briefly considered having our wedding ceremony there, but logistics and costs led us to a different less bookish but still very enjoyable location how about you and mrs wooster uh we both worked in the library around that time so it might have felt too much like just going to work if we had done it there for us uh we both love libraries but you know i think it, for us at that time it wouldn't have been the right fit we probably would have gone with something a little bit more weird uh like a themed wedding costume wedding something like that if we had the chance somewhere. Um, we did walk into our wedding reception to the Imperial March, so that was about as waggy as we got and got a pretty good response from the crowd. I love it. You two are so cool. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. 
so now on to our listener submitted stories. As a reminder, you can submit your stories for the podcast on Facebook on the Librarians Anonymous page, on Twitter at Librarians Anonpod, or send us an email at librariansanonpod at gmail.com. We will be sure to announce our episode themes on those platforms if you need some inspiration. This first submission is from somebody who has previously submitted to the episodes, uh, our friend, the Biblioboro Librarian. And they write, we had a grown man patron who every week or two would buy a giant bouquet of flowers and pass them out to library staff. It was incredibly sweet the first time, but it crossed barriers fast. We would say we couldn't accept and he wouldn't accept it as an answer. So then we would try to make it like, oh, flowers for the staff room instead of flowers for me personally. It became a big headache and started to feel like harassment. I don't think that was his intention, but the fact that he wouldn't accept no made him feel that way. And this is something that at my library, Mr. Wooster, we have dealt with a lot. And that is the best deflection is, oh, thank you for bringing food for our staff room. Thank you for giving this to us for the staff because we're trying to work. And a lot of patrons, especially older men will not accept no as an answer. And they don't understand that service professionals are there to help them and not to be held hostage to their unwanted affection. I know one tactic uh, I have used in the past in different jobs for this is if I know a particular patron like that is using up all the time someone's on the desk I would duck into an office and call with a fake question to the reference desk or to the cert desk to you know give them an out so they could say you know oh I have to take this question you know just yeah, you know yeah. an option that was available that is a great tactic to use for sure I've, I've made many backroom phone calls to the desk many rescue phone calls and perhaps that would be a great topic for an episode in the future is what coded language do you use <laughs> between staff to get out of sticky situations i think that would be a good one so this next submission comes from someone who uh is calling themselves bb still my heart a young boy he was nine at the time gave me a valentine's day card he was a regular at my old library and was always there after school with his tutor he would come to the desk to check out an iPad whenever his study time was done. On Valentine's Day, he was super suave and had tucked an envelope underneath the iPad when he handed it back to me. He was already back at his table when I noticed there was something under the iPad and flipped it over to see the envelope. When I opened it, there was a Star Wars card inside. I thanked him when his mom picked him up. After he left, his tutor came to the desk and told me that he was so nervous to give me the card and that he would always talk to her about how nice I was. It was the most adorable thing ever. And to round it off, I'm going to include a story of my own. Uh, in my position as security supervisor, I dealt with my fair share of patrons intending on giving library staff, unfortunately, unwanted romantic attention. And that can take a lot of forms, um, like one patron who insisted on buying those share a Coke with bottles for adult services clerks with their name on it. And then he got angry when he wasn't financially reimbursed for them uh, to another where uh, an elderly misguided woman came into the library dressed to the nines in a floor length ball gown and sang the entirety multiple verses of somewhere over the rainbow to the only male circulation clerk on staff. Uh, as ridiculous and, and humorous as these situations are, I think it's really important to state that 
your profession, community, and personal boundaries need you to be safe more than patrons uh, need inappropriate attention from you. Uh, from the team here at Librarians Anonymous, please protect your boundaries and fight for the professional dignity and personal well-being of the person next to you at the desk. On a lighter note, I have had the privilege of witnessing both an engagement and a wedding ceremony at my library, and both were really beautiful occasions. We all need to feel love in different ways, and I hope that in my profession and my career, I can do a little something for everyone to feel and show love in and for the library in whatever way means something to them. And I'll just throw in a small little story here to end on a high note for the Valentine's Day. Uh, one of the universities that I worked at, I worked at nights and I was working the night of Valentine's Day and um, it was like nine o'clock at night. It was pretty quiet. Most of the students were just in there studying and I see a group of about six guys come in and they're all dressed in the nines, ties, suits, you know, and this is not a regular occurrence by any means, especially not nine o'clock at night. And they go up to where a girl is sitting at the desk and start serenading uh, the girl. And it was very good. I will say that they, they practiced quite a bit and it turned out, you know, it was the boyfriend was the person behind it and he got a bunch of his guy friends together in on it. And it was one of the first times I can remember where, you know, you had someone making all this noise in a public space and, you know, some people applauding and oh, instead of the normal shh <laughs> you know, that you normally hear. Well, that's all for us today. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Meeting adjourned. Our theme song was adapted and performed by Catherine Rose. You can listen to more of Catherine's music the last Friday of every month at 7 p.m. Pacific time at facebook.com backslash Catherine Rose Folk, or Mondays on her radio show, The Celtic Music Hour, on KOCF 92.7. And if you have a crazy library story you'd like to share, you can email us at librariansanonpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Librarians Anonymous and on Twitter at Librarians Anon Pod. Mm -hmm.